would be repeating myself if I directed your attention to the words of the song you just sang, which is a prayer for what we want God to do in our lives. And it's, uh, it's fascinating to think that as we gather week by week by week, God meets with us as we come to meet with each other and with Him and to have our lives shaped by Him. And so I trust that our hearts will be opened. Uh, I trust that our hearts will be pliable in His hand and that this day we will have heard from God. We will have responded to what God has taught us and we would become more like Jesus Christ in the process of this all. Uh, If you haven't been with us, you won't know that we're in a series of messages entitled Victorious, Winning the Spiritual Battle. And uh, we have been probing the reason why it's sometimes difficult to live the Christian life. I mean, you may have become a follower of Jesus and thought, ah, all my problems will go away and life will be easy, it'll be a breeze and I've got God on my side and how wonderful that will be. And you discovered that it wasn't as easy as what you thought it might be, and that there were struggles, and that we have enemies, and there's pushback against our trying and our desire to follow God and to live for God and, and, and honor Him with our lives. And so we feel this struggle in us that our lives become, if you will, a battlefield, and we have these enemies that seek to undo what God is trying to do in our lives. And we've talked about two of these battlefields over the past few weeks. Um, The first one we talked about was how God's plan and God's desire and will for us is opposed by powerful, unseen, demonic forces led by Satan and and, uh, hordes of evil spirits that are intent on undoing whatever God wants to do. Whatever God wants to do, it's the opposite that the enemy of uh, our faith uh, is seeking to do. And it's real, and we don't understand how all of that works and how it uh, plays itself out. Uh, But there are evil influences in the world that seek to undo what God is seeking to do. And then last week, we talked about another battlefield. And we called that the battlefield of the world. And that is the environment that we live in that has been hugely influenced by demonic forces and promoting uh, this anti-God atmosphere so that the whole system is rigged against Christians. And we looked at how that's playing itself out uh, last week. Um, That uh, Christian values... A Christian a ways of thinking, a Christian worldview is absolutely opposed to what the world is seeking to do. Uh, it, it's it's uh, putting intense pressure on us to conform to its standards. It's everywhere. It's playing in our ear all the time. It's playing in our minds. It, it's, it, it's what we breathe and, and live in day by day. And, and so... Whether you're at school or at work or in business or in, 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 the, uh, in the university or with neighbors, we feel and we sense this pressure from the world to conform us to be like the world when Jesus wants to conform us to be like him. And you may be thinking to yourself, well, I can't stand up under 
pressure like that. I can't, I can't, I can't stand with that kind of opposition. And I think a lot of times what we do is we play the blame game, right? You play the blame game? Gerda says, I play the blame game. If there's something wrong at home, she says, you're like a detective. You want to find out who did it and what happened. Or, or you, you want to blame somebody else. You, we don't want to take ownership ourselves. Uh, we, we like to say, well, I couldn't help myself. Uh, you know, it was beyond what I could handle. I can't be held responsible for that. And, you know, this, this started a way back. It started with our first parents in a garden. When they rebelled against God... And uh, God goes looking for his wayward children. And uh, he calls out, where are you? We're hiding. How come you're hiding? Because we're not wearing anything. Who told you you're not wearing anything? And, and so uh, Eve, uh, he asks Adam, you know, what's the problem here? And Adam, here's what, here's what Adam did. They had this beautiful relationship and now he's throwing her under the bus, Right? He says, well, actually, Lord, the woman you gave me made me do it. So the Lord turns to the woman and says, what about you? And the woman says, well, it's the serpent you created, you know, that caused me to rebel against you. Now, some of you who are a little older will remember the, uh, the comedian Flip Wilson. Flip Wilson had a had a phrase he used to use. The devil made me do it. The devil made me do it. And, and so we're looking to blame somebody else, not to shoulder responsibility. So in, in the game, blame, well, you know, I, I couldn't help it. Um, and, and Flip Wilson, uh, Flip Wilson w- would play a woman who came home with new dresses. And he said, w- the husband would say, where do you get all these? What, what do you do? The devil made me do it. He said, you look so good in that, and the devil this, and the devil, and, and so we're looking for a way to um, not, take, not take blame for what we do if we don't live up to what God's standards is. May I suggest to you that the devil is probably a little preoccupied with the other billions of people that probably for most of us, we're not getting a personal touch from him. And it's not to deny, to deny that there are demonic forces working and can work in people's lives and that the world system can be formidable. But there's another enemy. And this enemy, we can't blame anybody else but ourselves. See, the problem is with me. The problem is with me and it's my flesh. Now, the Bible uses the term flesh to, reveal, to, to talk about something that is deeply embedded in my life. Um, in fact, there are different ways that words were used. We, we looked at the last week at the word, the world, and how the world is used differently from place to place. Uh, here we have um, the, the word uh, flesh. It, it can sometimes mean our physical form, uh, our physical bodies, if you will. Uh, we're flesh and blood, Jesus uh, would say, or Paul would say, you're not fighting against flesh and blood. It's, contra- it's contrary to the spiritual part of us or the immaterial part of us. It's the physical part of us. Well, it can stand for people. All flesh will see it together, the prophet says. That means all people. 
It also can refer to human beings in our frailty and our weakness. So he, it's, it's his flesh. And all of us see how uh, our, our bodies are wearing down and, and how uh, we're, we're prone to frailty and weakness. But there's another use that the Apostle Paul particularly uh, uses a lot. And it's about our fallen human nature. Our flesh is our fallen human nature. So I want to define this for you. And I want to define it in this way. That the flesh is our fallen, rebellious human nature that resists God's will in our lives. So that there's something that has been in us that says no to God, that resists what God wants. Um, And most of the time, uh, you'll see in, in many of our English versions you'll see it will say, our sinful nature, sinful nature. But the word behind that is flesh. And that's, our, uh, that's uh, the part of our, the fabric of our being that is so ingrained in thinking and acting in opposition to God. It's a, a force within you that fights what God is trying to do in your life. The good you know that you should do and you don't do it. Or the bad that you know you shouldn't do and you do do it. It's a part of who you are. It's a part of the fabric of who you are. Well, the question is, like, how did I, how did I get this? I, I sense that in my own life. I sense that there's, oh, there's a, there's a tug sometime to do wrong. Or, or I just can't be bothered doing right. Or I don't want to do right. Or I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm uh, struggling with that kind of thing. Well, well how did we get this? Uh, this propensity to resist God and what God wants in our life. Well, here it is. You inherited it. I suppose that sounds like a blame game, doesn't it? You inherited it. It was genetically handed down to you from our first parents. In fact, here's what the Apostle Paul said in Romans 5 and verse 12. He said, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sinned. It it was handed down to us from one person. Generation to generation to generation to generation, this part of us that resists God, that fights against God, has been handed down. Uh, Our first parents rebelled, and something happened in the constitution of of who they were. And, and, And what happened was their sin... Their rebellion was handed down to their children and to their children's children and on and on till it comes to us. You wonder how a sweet little innocent, we call innocent child can be so cantankerous, can be so miserable. They throw a temper tantrum. They're whipping things all over the world. They're screaming. They're, they're trying to scratch you. I hate you. And you say, well, This is not my innocent little child. You know, you tell a child, now don't touch that. You know what they do? They stare you in the face and they touch it. They say, you know, it's it's inbred in them. It's a part of their constitution. Um, You know, and I think, where does this come from? I think it comes from the other side of the family. I love my grandchildren. Those of you who know us, I, I love my grandchildren. And uh, when, our, when our oldest granddaughter uh, 
uh, was about two years of age. She, had, she was sitting at the kitchen table and there was all this, this chocolate in front of her. And uh, I said, well, Grampy would like one of those. And I grabbed one and picked it up because there was more than she could. She couldn't even begin to eat all that was there. I picked up one and I took it. And she looked at me and her little face went beet red. And she said, no, Grampy, mine. And I thought, what has happened to my dear little granddaughter? She was, she was a, like she possessed or something like that. I thought, this is, this is terrible. That's the flesh. That's the human nature in a little two-year-old. Uh, one of my grandsons was asked by his mom and dad. They were sitting around the table one day, and they said, um, Who loves you? They were thinking, maybe you'll come up with a really spiritual Jesus loves me. Um, or if not that, daddy loves me or mommy loves me. Do you, know, do you know what he said? Who loves you? Benny, who loves you? Grampy loves me. <laughs> so this, this fall, we were down for a meal. It was a Thanksgiving meal and you know, everybody brought something, and there were like two or three desserts. And um, I had already probably, you know, had my fill, but Benny had this other dessert, that decadent dessert that my sister had made. And I said to Ben, I didn't want one. I just wanted a taste of it. I said, can Grampy have a taste of yours? He said, no. <laughs> Who loves you? Grampy loves you. He, I mean, there's, there's more, but, you know, and, and I, I tried to reason with him. Now, Benny, you know, God doesn't like it if we're selfish. <laughs> Benny, you know, uh, just, Grampy just wants a little taste. I just want to taste it. No. I thought, you rotten little kid. <laughs> and I think, again, I think it was the other side of the family, because I don't, I don't think we would have, we would have done that. And, 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 you know, it's, it's there. It's inbred. It's born into them, this, this rebelliousness. And, and I, I couldn't believe it. You know, I, I, and uh, so well, we go on. And, and we see the seeds of rebellion in our innocent children. Um, they're not innocent. They're born with a fist in the air to God saying, I'm going to do it my way. Now the flesh next manifests itself in hostility toward God. It's hostile toward God. So that part inside of you is, is going to fight God. It's, it's opposed to God with everything in it. In Romans chapter 8 and verses 7 and 8, it says this. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Sets it right off. Everything God wants to do in your life, uh, the flesh is going to oppose that. Um, and, and so it starts with the thinking, the mind governed by the flesh. Remember we last week we talked about it begins with our mind. We, before we do anything, we think about it. 
And the mind is governed by the flesh, and it's hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God. It, it wants nothing to do with God. And so it's, it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like uh, Frank Sinatra. I did it my way. God says, do it my way. No, I'm going to do it my way. Uh, I'm my, in my arrogance, in my autonomy. I'm going to do my own thing. And so we see that. Uh, those seeds of rebellion in us, uh, expressing itself, refusing to admit uh, to submit to God, incapable of pleasing God, and being a controlling factor in people's lives. It's why doing wrong seems so natural and easy to do at times. It's endemic to our very nature and character. Well, and then the flesh manifests itself in sinful behavior. It demonstrates itself. It manifests itself in sinful behavior. That's how it shows up in our lives. And Paul gives us a list of things in Galatians 5 of the works of the flesh, what it produces in us. And here's what the list looks like. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft. By the way, that that term witchcraft in the original language involves um, the use of drugs, mind-altering drugs. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions or, or divisions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warned you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. These are the kinds of things that reflect what the, what the flesh does in us. How the flesh manifests itself in us. And it says they're obvious. And at the end he says, and other things like this. So it's not an exhaustive list. It's every expression uh, uh, that comes from uh, fighting against God. Uh, these com- this is what, what kind of things you see manifested when the flesh has its way, when it does its thing. It, it can be very obvious, and sometimes it can be masked and hidden. People who are very dark things, but you don't know because it's all done behind closed doors. And sometimes they find serial killers and whatnot, and, and, but they didn't realize what's going on in their head and, and in the private places of their homes and whatnot. And, and they're shocked that this person now has done all these murders and whatnot and we didn't think that person was like that but deeply ingrained in there now um, it's there it's there it exists in all of us but if you're a believer you need to know something and that is this that believers are freed from the power of the flesh did you hear me believers are freed from the power of the flesh. We learned last week that God works to, um, uh, to take us and transport it, us from one realm to another realm. Uh, he, he moves us from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of the son he loves. And so in, uh, in Colossians 1 and verse 13, it says this. For he rescued us, that's God rescued us from the dominion of darkness, and he brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. He he moved you. 
He he freed you from that place. You were a prisoner of war there. You were were, um, in captivity. You were dominated by by the enemy's ways. Um, You were were, uh, under Satan's domain, out of that domain. And he brought you out of there and brought you into another kingdom, the kingdom of the son he loves. He broke through enemy lines and he rescued you from that place by his grace. And, and uh, you know, I, I've seen some, uh, some movie depictions and whatnot of prisoners of war in the Second World War when the Allies uh, had victory uh, over the Axis uh, nations. And, and to see these guys who had been prisoners of war, some of them for several years, and now they were going free. They, they, were, they were let out and they were free. And what Jesus does is he rescues us from that dominion of darkness where we were held captive. And he brings us into the kingdom of the son he loves. He brought us home. And we no longer then have to submit to the administration when we were over here. Uh, it, it represents two worlds Two kingdoms, two periods in my life. It was before Christ and after Christ and what he's done for me. And uh, there's no longer a dominion of darkness in my life. And, and here's something else. God doesn't do dual citizenship. Now you can be a citizen of Canada and a citizen of the United States. But with God, there's no dual citizenship. It's, you're either in as a citizen of heaven, or you're a citizen of the dominion of darkness. He brooks no rivals. And uh, if you're in a citizen of heaven, you're one of God's children. Uh, you are with him. You see, it's either God or Satan. It's either a slave to God or a slave to sin. But listen to this. But even though we're freed, we still can experience withdrawal. You have been freed, but the problem is you can still experience withdrawal. You know, you say, well, if, if God has rescued me and taken me from here and brought me into the kingdom of his son, if he's broken the power of that, how come I'm finding it so tough? Why is it that, that I struggle in my Christian life? Uh, and, and I would say to you this. That, that there are things in our life that have been so ingrained and so practiced and so lived out uh, for so long and been such a part of our life that it's hard to shake. It's hard to get rid of. And we go through withdrawal pains. Uh, and it can be, it can be painful. Um, I've talked to smokers, people who've you know, smoked for 30, 40 years, 45 years, and they're going to quit. And they quit. <laughs> they go from the kingdom of smokers to the kingdom of non-smokers. But they find that, that they automatically did things with their hands. They would reach for something. They reach for a cigarette. They, they go someplace, and, and somebody's smoking a cigarette, and they go, oh. Now, they, they've quit. They're not smoking. But there's still this pull. 
that, that it's been resonant with them so long, and, and they go through withdrawal pains. A person can be going through withdrawal from drugs and just in agony, uh, especially, you know, watching somebody who's on heavy drug use going, uh, going uh, uh, cold turkey. And you'd think, well, I'm not, I, I quit smoking. I thought, I thought everything would be fine. No, there's still that pull there. And, and what this highlights is this, that there is a battle within. There's a battle between that old life and our new life in Christ. The old way that we used to live and how we are now. There's a real war going on. And the flesh and that sinful nature is trying to hang around. It's trying to, to be involved in your life and trying to drag you back there to do what you don't want to do. And the Spirit of God is calling you to obey God's desire and plan for you. And so there's this very real and intense struggle. Do you feel it? I mean, I feel it. Do you feel the pull and the tug? Well, in Galatians five sixteen to 18, it says this. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you're not, uh, you're not to do whatever you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. So there's this very real conflict that we feel, this, this tug of temptation and whatnot. Those sinful patterns that we're, we had been so addicted to. You may have been beating yourself up because you were never good enough. And you didn't find your identity and worth in Christ. And then Jesus came along. But you slipped back into that pattern of thinking. There's the inclination when you're, when you're angry to lose it and to strike out uh, in anger and hurt someone either physically or, or verbally. Uh, there's the the grip of alcohol and drugs that people are trying to, they're, they're calling you back uh, to that place and you don't want to go there, but you, you sense the tug back there. Uh, there's knowing uh, that uh, if, you, if you could just um, fudge a couple of dates, it might be worth thousands of dollars in insurance money to you and, and who would really know after all? There's that tug. Oh, if I could do that. I feel that tug. There's the uh, struggle to let go of that person that you're dating, but you know it's not the right person to date. It's not somebody who's walking in faith with you, and, and, but you, you feel the tug to be back here. And God says, no, you need to be over there and trust me, but, but no, I, 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 I just feel the tug that direction. It's so real. I, I can't give up on this relationship at my age. I might not find anybody else, and, and I don't want a life's partner. And the tug is there, being overcome by envy. It's... Uh, Seeing, uh, seeing a person prosper while you don't prosper, prosper, while you've got challenges and difficulties. And you're afraid and, and you want that stuff. And so you, you feel the tug back, back there. It's trusting God in the tough situations of your life. When the enemy's saying, if God really cared about you, he wouldn't leave you in the mess that you're in. And there's that tug away from God that may exist. There's the pornography and you can't seem to shake it. 
and you want to, but, but you keep feeling dragged back there. And it's insisting on forcing its way in your desires or greed or whatever it is. The battle is real. And often we default to old habits and old patterns. There's a real battle going on. So the question is, how do we gain victory? How do we gain victory over the flesh? The sinful human nature that has um, imprinted itself on us. That has been so part of what we're doing. Well, victory... There's victory over the flesh. Um, first thing we need to do is recognize that sin is no longer your master. This is, this is so key. This is so important. Sin is no longer your master. When you were, when you were uh, brought out of the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of the, uh, of the son he loves, you lost whatever the grip uh, grip that that had on you, whatever authority there was, being in that place, you lost that. You changed teams. You had a different allegiance, a different accountability. And that truth is powerful when it's understood, when it's apprehended. It is life transforming. When we come to believe Jesus, when we put our faith and trust in him and we come a, become a, a child of God, uh, we died with Christ in baptism. And when you die to your former life, it no longer possesses authority over you. If, if I commit some crime or something like that, and I, maybe an automobile accident, and I kill somebody, but I'm killed, uh, even though I was at fault, they can't bring a charge against me because I'm dead. You no longer exist here. You don't live here anymore. You live here where God is. And it's important that we recognize that we were transported into God's kingdom and the old life and the old identification has no authority over us any longer. In, uh, so in, uh, in our scripture here in uh, Romans, it says this, For if we have been united with him, that's Christ, in death like, the, like his, We'll certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him. So that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. You died to sin. You died from slavery to sin. You, you used to live here. You used to live in a place where you were, uh, when, when, you, when you sinned, you, you didn't have a choice. You sinned because sin was your master. Oh, you maybe didn't sin every way you could, but, but sin was not optional for you. You would sin because you were under the, the rule of your master that was sin. And, and so formally, you, you had to sin. But when you were transported into God's kingdom, you no longer are obligated to sin. Now, that part of your life has no right. It has no authority over you. You are now under King Jesus, and he is your master. Um, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, a great preacher of the last, uh, the last century, was uh, trying to talk and explain this to him. And uh, he, was from, uh, he was from England, and he said this, he said, think of uh, uh, beautiful pastures that in the countryside in England. 
And he said, think of a big stone wall around that. And you were in that place. Um, And that's where you lived. And you couldn't get out of there. And, And if that were you when you were in the flesh... He said, think of God rescuing you and taking you up out of there and placing, in, placing yourself, placing you in uh, another, uh, another uh, beautiful field where you were protected, where God was with you, where it wasn't ruled by Satan. God's grace had reached down and done that for you. And you no longer have to obey the taskmaster was in that, that was in that field. But he says, like Satan, it doesn't stop him from calling over the fence. Hey, there's something for you. I've got something for you. Hey, you don't have to do that. You don't have to put up with that. I've got something better for you. And and so we're no longer obligated. Do you know what? uh, Years ago when I was studying through this and came to this, it was so um, freeing for me. Because what it means is this. You no longer are my boss. I don't have to do that. So sometimes we feel like I just couldn't help myself. I, I'm so weak and, and, and I was captivated by it. And before you were a Christian, that's the case. But when you became a Christian, it has no authority. It has no legal authority of you. You can say no. And I remember when, as I was studying this and coming to grips with it, I'm thinking, no. I can say no. Because we get in a mindset where we're saying I can't help myself. I guess I just have to. I, I, I don't want to do this. And, and the, the thing that I don't want to do, well, I do it. And the thing that I want to do, I don't do it. And here I am. And, and, and Paul says, no, it's not that anymore. It's, it's now. You have no legal obligation to that. It has no power over you. Say no. Say no. And I, I remember I'd be tempted with something. And I'd go, no, I don't have to do that. Leave me alone. I am here in the, in the power of God and in that place. That was so freeing. You can say no because there's no longer an obligation that you have. And as you grow in your faith, here's what happens. You move further and further from the influence of the enemy who's calling into you and those old habits that you practiced and lived. You become more and more and more like Jesus. And those things have less and less and less grip on you as you grow in faith. That's your status. Well, secondly, he says, uh, the Apostle Paul would say this, don't make provision for the flesh. Don't do anything to accommodate the flesh. Don't do anything to nurture what's over there. Uh, Don't compromise yourself in that. See, if you have a battle with pornography, then you need to get rid of the sites or put some kind of a a block on your computer. Don't stay with that kind of temptation. Don't make provision for the flesh. Here's what Romans uh, uh, 13 and 14 says. It says, rather, clothe clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and don't think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Literally, that, that means don't make a provision for the flesh. Don't, don't, uh, don't let it, uh, don't give it a place. Remember we talked about wrestling a couple weeks ago? And he said, uh, don't give the devil a foothold. That there's, there's a place of vulnerability. Don't do that. 
Don't make provision for the flesh in, in any way. Put a blocker on. Eliminate bad sites. Uh, don't hide away in a private place. Put, it, put your computer out where it's, it's uh, evident, um, where others can see. Um, think about, think about uh, having somebody who would hold you accountable. Don't make, don't make an excuse for it. Don't give a place if you have trouble with something. Then in a very practical way, you need to not give a, a place uh, for that to, to have an influence in your life. And thirdly, live in the power of the Holy Spirit. See, when you became a follower of Jesus Christ, here's what happened. God sent His Holy Spirit to live in you, to dwell in you 24-7. That's what the Apostle Paul would say. Don't you know your body is a temple? What is a temple? A temple is a place where a God, a God lives. Your body has become a temple where God, by the Holy Spirit, lives in you. And, and uh, when you became a follower of Jesus, that very instant you did, the Holy Spirit came to live in you. Uh, Jesus said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be leaving. I'm going to be leaving you, but don't worry. It's good for you that I go because I'm going to send you another comforter and he'll be with you and in you forever and ever. And, and so he has given us the power of the Holy Spirit to work in us. He will empower you to live the kind of life that he wants you to live. He will give you that same kind of resurrection power. The power that resurrected Jesus from the dead is the power that we have in the Holy Spirit living in us and, uh, and that brought Jesus to life. So he will guide you and direct you. Now, in Galatians 5, uh, 16 to 18, here's what, here's what Paul says. So I say, walk or live, the word walk and live, same thing. Live or walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. If you, if you walk in the Spirit, if you live in the Spirit, you will not gratify what this side is calling you to do. You'll live in absolute victory in that way. See, the propensity to slip into the old pattern, the old habits, will be nullified if we live by the Spirit in His direction. See, what the Spirit will do is He will prompt you. He will direct you in a God-honoring way. In, in verse 18, it says, If you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. The Spirit will lead you and guide you. Now, if you have the Spirit and you are able then to relinquish your right and allow the Spirit to guide and direct you and not the old person, you will never, uh, you'll never fail God. You'll never trip into that way. In, in Romans 8 and verse 9, it said, um, you're, you're not controlled by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you, and if you don't have the Spirit, you're none of His. So it's, it's like if you are a true believer, you have the Spirit, and the Spirit will lead you, will guide you, will empower you. And so you have living in you a constant presence of God by His Spirit. 
He will always be with you. He will direct and empower you. He'll give you victory over sin. He'll bring scripture to your memory to guide you. Uh, He will impress upon you the way to go. He'll convict you of sinful thoughts and actions and attitudes. And he'll give you victory over sin. And God doesn't ask for what he will not provide. God doesn't ask us to do something that he's not going to give us what everything we need to provide. And so you can be victorious over that old self that keeps rearing its ugly head and trying to call us back. And the, the closer we get to Jesus and the more we come to know him, the less that racket is in our life. It, it quietens down. Now, what's the result of all this? The result of this is Christ-likeness. It's Christ-likeness. What he wants to do for us is he wants to make us like Jesus. And so there are different different, uh, terms used in the Bible to help us understand that. We're we're told we're supposed to grow. We're supposed to mature. We're supposed to become like Jesus. And the more the Spirit works in us, the more we become like Jesus and his character, and his person. And there are lots of different ways of talking about this. But in Galatians 5, here's what it looks like. Here are the works of the flesh. Nah. And here's the fruit of the Spirit. When the Spirit's in us, he produces fruit. And here's the fruit he produces. You know, not sexual immorality, and debauchery, and orgies, and envy, and all those things. Here it is. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy. Peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. When I'm over here and when I'm led by the Spirit and the Spirit is working, something of the beauty of Jesus is being formed in me. Let me ask you a question. A year ago, if you compared yourself spiritually who you are a year ago till now. Would you see a change? Would you see, I, I'm, I'm more like Jesus. I have more victory over sin. There's something that, that has been slowly changing in me. We gather here week after week after week to be formed in the image of Christ. We come in here and we open the word of God and, and we're, we're fed. I, I was saying to, I was talking to my father yesterday afternoon and I said, Dad, I'm busy preparing a meal. Oh, he said, that would be good. In other words, are you going to make something and bring it to me? I said, Dad, you can get it tomorrow online. Oh, he says, I get it. I get it. What we're doing is preparing meals that will strengthen us, that will build us, develop us, And make us more like Jesus. And I'll tell you, when you do that, you have absolute victory over sin. I didn't say it's not a battle. It's a battle. We've talked about that. But you're in a battle that you can win because you're on God's side. Say no. You can say no. Don't make any place. Make no provision for the flesh and all that stuff. And, and, uh, And then be led by the Spirit of God. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you so much for your truth. We thank you for what is ours in Christ Jesus. We thank you that we can have victory. And that even living in this wicked world with all of the things, all of the odds stacked against us, we can have victory 
just as you, Lord, had victory. I pray that you would give us the insight, give us the fortitude and and the strength by your spirit that we can live a life that pleases you and that you would form and shape us in the very image of your son in whose name we pray, amen.